0: The Audio Vault on one San Antonio Sports Star is brought to you by A.A. Best Bail Bonds. 225-2121 or online at mybestbailbonds.com. R&R in the
1: morning
0: on 94.1 San Antonio Sports Star.
1: Hey, good morning to you. Good morning to all. He's Rudy, I'm Rob. That's R&R in the morning here on 94.5 FM. We're so glad you're with us this morning. Thanks for dialing in San Antonio sports star. We're joined by John Eisenberg, esteemed author, writer with the uh, Baltimore Sun for years. Wrote a couple of books. Uh, His latest one is Rocket Men, the black quarterbacks that revolutionized pro football. An outstanding read and a very appropriate release as we begin the NFL uh, regular season tomorrow night. We'll get a chance to look at the preeminent deface of the NFL and Pat Mahomes, and he is a product of giants that came before him. Uh, welcome on the show, John Eisenberg. We're glad you're here. Uh,
0: thanks for having me. I appreciate it.
1: Uh, before we go any further, I, I found it interesting that uh, you're a Baltimore type, been writing for the Sun for years. Was the impetus to write this book uh, the-, the Rise of Lamar Jackson?
0: Well, that definitely had, had something to do with it. And and I, and I do have to say, on in San Antonio, I am a Texan, born and raised in Dallas. Oh, man. nice, yeah. good people. Then, so so uh, definitely. Actually, written a couple of books back in the day about the Cowboys, early days of the Cowboys. But um, uh, yes, I mean Lamar's uh, rise. I've been in in Baltimore for thirty five years, and 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 actually wrote for the Ravens' uh, digital side for a little while, and so a real up close view of Lamar coming in and. And definitely what he dealt with, uh, barely getting drafted in the first round and uh, being told by one scout that maybe he should be good, he'd should he be a good wide receiver. Uh, and, of course, second year in the league, he's MVP. Uh, and so uh, that definitely sort of opened my eyes to the fact that they're still dealing with this situation, the denial by stereotype that affected so many of the generations before him. Lamar's fortunate is as, as this current generation. They get to play. Uh, some
1: of the prior guys did not. Mm. Well, th- this is my thing, uh, John, and I pre- I can appreciate this book. I, I feel like bef- the root of it, not the root of it, but I also feel like a part of the problem is you don't see many black offensive coordinators or quarterbacks coaches either that have input in the room when these guys are being drafted or not drafted or free agency. Is, is, was that anywhere in the thought process when you put this together?
0: Without a doubt. I mean, the uh, certainly uh, we're we're now in 2023, seeing a lot more black quarterbacks getting a chance. And in, in my view, the the focus sort of of the of the diversity issue in the NFL has switched to the coaching ranks. Right. Uh, that is uh, there's not many head coaches and the coordinators, as you as you uh, mentioned. Obviously, very true. And, uh, you know, that also goes for general managers, you know, the guys that have <laughs> right, right. control the jobs and, and scouts. Uh, although I think it, it's changed a lot. And so, yes, I definitely address some of that in the book. That uh, I think when you see more and more uh, uh, black coaches and offensive coordinators, I think you will continue to see changes and improvement in the situation. Like, for instance, where I sit here in Baltimore uh, with the Ravens, they've had Ozzie Newsome from the very beginning. Mm, Right. uh, uh, You know, the first black GM in in NFL history. He's been shaping the roster from the beginning, and as a result, you've seen uh, a steady stream of black quarterbacks get a shot here. Uh, Backups, starters, you know, everyone. Randall Cunningham at the end of his career was here. Steve McNair they traded for. And uh, then eventually, his last draft pick was Lamar Jackson. And so... Uh, it shows you what happens when you have a minority uh, uh, eyes and ears on this subject. Good point. Uh, things change. So there's no doubt that that is a factor in this story.
1: The book is Rocket Men: Black Quarterbacks Who Revolutionized Pro Football. The writer, John Eisenberg, joins us here on San Antonio Sports Star. And I'm of an age that I remember James Harris uh, playing with the Rams. I remember Marlon Briscoe coming there. I remember Doug Williams winning the Super Bowl. And I, you know, I, I see the signposts there of as the changes were slow, and then we'll talk about Warren Moon and all the other greats that came to follow. And those are the obvious names. Can you give us some of the the names behind the scenes, the general managers, the coaches that were really behind pushing to get Harris as a starter, and the, the general managers that were willing to take that step. Uh, let, let's signify and give some credit to those that were willing to make that move.
0: Well, uh, without a doubt, there are guys, um, and James Harris played for the Rams in the mid-1970s. I don't know if you remember the coach Chuck Knox, the yes. good NFL coach in the Absolutely. 1970s, Uh well, Chuck Knox was coaching the Los Angeles Rams in 1974. And you have to understand, there were no black starters in it. There. there was no history of it at all other than Marlon Briscoe for a few games in the late 60s. So Chuck Knox is a guy that steps up and says, you know, this guy on the practice field, I really like him. He's big. He's strong. He can run the offense. He's everything I want. So he puts him in there. And so that's a guy uh, that, that totally lost to history. But a coach who said, "I don't mind playing a black player at quarterback," and and James Harris went in there, and and uh, the Rams went to two NFC Championship games with him. And so, a little, this is not a Jackie Robinson story. There's not one moment right. where one guy changed everything. It's a thousand little moments, and uh, that was one of them. Chuck Knox definitely had something to do with that. Um, the Houston Oilers, listen, in the you know 1984, uh, there was a lot of bidding for Warren Moon when he came back. From uh, Canada, and they signed him and gave him at the time the largest uh, contract in NFL history. certainly didn't have to do that, uh, but uh, and, and the oilers were not good and and they lost for three more years with Warren Moon. Uh, you know, however, they were willing to stick it out, you know, losing quarterbacks in this day and age, get run out of town, but they stuck it out with him. So I give the Oilers credit there. I give buddy Ryan, credit, Absolutely. uh, because he had Randall Cunningham in Philadelphia. And rather than say, I'm going to make you a drop back quarterback, like everybody else in the league, I'm going to let you be you. And, uh, so buddy, uh, would be another one that had a, had a great say there's, there's just a bunch of them.
1: Um. John, can you talk about how over over time is the the position of the quarterback how it's been glamorizing its importance to, importance to the game, and how how that status was used to
0: exclude black players? Hmm. Yes, that is absolutely a truth. <clears throat> and what happened was, I mean, the NFL was all white uh, from nineteen thirty four to forty six, just like Major League Baseball. And uh, when the that, and, and then that's a period of time when NFL football really changed it. Uh, passing games came in vogue and the quarterback position became important. And uh, the league was all white. And so coming out of that period, when they started to reintegrate, uh, there was never, I mean, they would, they would take a black player who was fast and say, Oh, well, he could be a good running back or a defensive back or a receiver uh, or a, a big lineman they would find. But in terms of giving the offense over to a guy who was calling the plays and throwing the passes, the teams were like no way uh you know the stereotypes were in vogue they feared that black uh black quarterback uh maybe wasn't smart enough to run the offense or wasn't enough of a leader or wouldn't put the work in it's all this horrible racist stereotyping and it was invoked in for years and so the glamorization of that position uh, you know in the long run it was definitely used against him because team you became the face of the franchise as a quarterback And uh, these owners, uh, you know, were white, still almost all white, uh, were afraid to, uh, you know, make a black player the face of the franchise, the Mm. 60s, the 70s in particular. So the glamorization of the position definitely worked against them getting opportunities.
1: And we sit today with Pat Mahomes, literally the face of the league.
0: The face of the league, I know. And two super, you know, we sit in a year where there are two uh, coming off of a Super Bowl with two black starters and three of the first four picks in the draft or black quarterbacks, so it's it's nice to see the situation improving. Uh, you know, however, before you just raise your arms in triumph, and, and this is really why I wrote the book. Before you do that, you have to realize that it's also a sign of what could have been. There's no question about it because there's generation of guys that didn't get a chance, and uh, you know that's right. a sad tale.
1: It's a great book, a great read that really kind of weaves in that, that, in, that inbred kind of racism and the, the efforts behind the scenes and the extraordinary efforts by coaches and players to get us, and this is a journey that continues. Uh, well documented and a great read. I do recommend it. This is John Eisenberg. His book is Rocket Men, the black quarterbacks that revolutionized pro football. Find it wherever you get your hardcover books. Get it quick. The season is beginning, and this is a fast read. It's a good read. You're not going to want to put it down. Thank you so much for the book sir. It is a a good read and a, a, a worthy accomplishment.
0: Well, thank you for that. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on.